Hello, my beautiful beans, and welcome to the episode of today. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about honoring a commitment to yourself and what happens in your life when you do that. So I'm going to be talking about all the good things that are going to happen when you decide to honor a commitment to yourself. I'm going to talk to you about all the bad things that are currently happening in your life because you are failing to be able to honor a commitment to yourself. So this is all about making a promise and sticking to it. I'm going to talk about why you fail at it so often and why it's not necessarily your fault, but it's more so the fault of how you set yourself up to fail. And I'm going to give you some really fucking easy, easy, easy steps to change how you go about keeping promises to yourself and following through and then what that's going to mean for you and your confidence and also your relationships with other people because weirdly enough, when you do that, it completely transforms your relationships outside of yourself. So that is the topic or the content for today's podcast. We do have a brain fact. Um, Little life update. There's not that much of a life update, to be honest. I have nothing of substance to share. I was going to bring back one of my pet hates. I do have a pet hate. I've remembered what the pet hate is. And this is maybe controversial. And if you've got a legitimate reason why people do this, then please feel free to write in the Facebook group or just don't DM me because I'm really bad at my DMs, but write in the Facebook group. But something that really pisses me off is, (laughs) this is so off topic, but it's when people say, when they like birth a child and they write, oh my God, thank you for choosing us as your parents. Like, can't, it's a bundle of cells. Has it actually chosen you as a parent? And also, if that's the case, does that mean that children that are raised in abusive households chose the abusive household? I just, anyway, hate that shit. I fucking hate it. If there's a legitimate reason why you really believe that a a clump of cells that's turned into a human chose you as their parent, when someone else would choose an abusive parent, please enlighten me. Anyway, that's my pet hate. There's no actual life update outside of that. So we're going to go straight into the brain fact of today. So the brain fact of today is something called the Troxler effect. It's also called Troxler's fading. So if you listened to my last episode, um, I spoke about something called lateral inhibition and how that gives you this optical illusion of the Hermann grid. And that's where you see those, you know, where you're looking at the grid and it's all black squares and white lines and you see the gray dots like in the peripheral, like at the intersection of all the white lines. So that's the Herman grid illusion. If you haven't checked out that episode, go check it out because I love talking about optical illusions and why they happen. But now I'm going to talk to you. This is another optical illusion. It's called the Troxler effect. And you can look this one up. You can look it up before I go into the brain factor. You can look, look it up after. But I'll first give you a little bit of an explanation. So Troxler's fading, it's basically just named after this Swiss physician who identified this. His name was Ignace Paul Vital Troxler. Say that 10 times really quickly. In fucking 1804. And it's this phenomenon which affects your visual perception. And it's when you fixate on a point for a short period of time. So when you Google Troxler's fading, it's going to come up with an image and you're going to stare at a little like black cross in the middle. So when you're fixating on that black cross for a short period of time, anything around that black cross in your peripheral vision, any stimulus that's unchanging is going to basically disappear from your vision. So it's going to fade away. It's going to just vanish. Okay. And if you look it up, you'll either see the image will either be like really faded, blurred, colorful dots on a square. And there's like a black cross. And if you stare at it, that whole square will eventually turn gray, 
which is wild. All the colorful dots just disappear out of your awareness. Um, or you'll be looking at like a little, it's like a gif and it's like a gray box with um, lilac. It's called the lilac chaser. So if you want, you can Google lilac chaser and you stare at the black dot in the middle and these purple dots around just all vanish out of your awareness. So it's pretty wild. And it's like, why is the brain doing this? Why is the brain deleting things that are still in my field of vision? So basically... When you when this happens, the effect goes away instantly with something called a saccade. And a saccade is this rapid eye movement that shifts your center of gaze from one part of a visual field to another. So, for example, when you're skimming through a page to find a keyword, that is your eyes doing little saccades. It's this little shifting. And saccades, they take around 200 milliseconds for the shift. It's really, really quick. And it can happen voluntarily or involuntarily. And when we look at this Troxler's fading or this fading effect. The same can be felt with all your senses. So, for example, if you cross your hands right now and your hands are crossed, the skin from each finger touching the other finger, you feel that quite intensely, right? If you were to hold your hands like that, really relaxed for about five, 10 minutes, you stop feeling the sensation of your fingers touching. Your, your brain stops sending you these signals because it's this unchanging stimulus, okay? So you're not actively thinking about it. Or for anyone that remembers the first time they ever put on a bra, it was unbearable the first time. And now if you're someone that still chooses to wear a bra, I never wear a bra just for the record. I wear sports bras, but fucking hate wire bras. Also, I've got small boobs, so that's probably why. But anyway, you just don't really feel it years on or weeks on or months on. You just stop feeling that sensation of the wire cutting into your chest, okay? So these are all examples of neural adaptation. So it's this idea that if you go to feel it or if you think about feeling it, you can feel it. It's not that you just stop being able to feel it, but it's the brain. It's no longer sending you this continuous signal of the stimulus because it's unchanging and therefore it's likely unimportant. So our conscious awareness needs to be freed up to do other important shit. When the stimulus in your peripheral attention is not changing and when it's non-threatening, it just fades out out of your awareness pretty quickly because the brain's like, I've got better shit to do with my time. So this happens with smell, touch. You know, sometimes you go into a place and the smell isn't that great. And then before you know it, you've forgotten about it. You just don't realize it if it's mild. So this is all like mild peripheral stuff. It's a very strong smell. You will be aware of it, obviously. But certain constant sounds like a humming of the fridge that you might no longer become aware of. All these things kind of get switched off from your conscious awareness. And this happens most effectively with the visual stimulus. It happens most effectively when the objects are blurred and when the contrast is low. So if you listen to my episode last week, I was talking about how the brain kind of fixates towards sharp edges and contrast. So it's a lot better of of an optical illusion if it's blurred images in the background, no sharp edges and not like crazy bright colors, but it still can work with bright colors. Now, it's basically your neurons adapting. That's why it happens. It's this principle in the sensory system that of the brain that it makes anything that's unvarying or unchanging fade away from your awareness. So in the eye, it's this local neural adaptation of the rods and cones and ganglion cells of your retina. And so whenever there's a constant light stimulus, which is anything that's entering your eye, that's a light stimulus, the individual neuron that picks up on that is soon enough going to become desensitized to that stimulation because it's so constant that neuron's like, I'm fucking, I'm done. And then it stops sending the signal to the brain or that signal gets reduced altogether. Now, why is it that we can still see shit in our peripheral vision if that's the case? Why, like, why if I look at a city skyline, if I look at one building, why aren't all the other buildings disappearing? And the reason for that is because of what I mentioned earlier, these saccades, these saccades actually help us not 
fade everything out of our vision for obviously for safety reasons. So these micro saccades basically shift ever so slightly. So the image is constantly being refreshed in your retinal field. So without it, you would have everything fading out of your retinal field where you're fixating on a point. But these tiny movements basically get the image to shift slightly across a couple of hundred photoreceptors in your eye. And then those photoreceptors are picking something new. And then this unchanging stimulus still remains on your visual field and those messages keep being sent to the brain. So go check it out. You could, it's either called the lilac chaser or the Troxler effect visual or optical illusion. Go check it out. And it's really cool. And you basically literally experience things disappearing out of your field of vision. It's pretty crazy. And everything is a fucking illusion when it comes down to it. So that is the brain facts for today. I hope you found that interesting. Now we're going to go straight into the episode topic of the day. And that is how to honor a commitment to yourself and to watch your life fucking basically completely change in front of you. So we're going to be talking about why making a promise to yourself and keeping that promise is going to change your relationship with yourself and how to do it. The problem, just to highlight the problem, the problem is you're basically struggling to follow through on a promise to yourself and therefore you don't know what it feels like and how good it feels like to stick to a promise that you make to yourself. And if you haven't yet experienced what it is to honor your own word and what effects come from honoring your own word to yourself, then you're in for a fucking treat. Okay. Firstly, I'm going to get you in the zone by telling you what it is that you're going to gain after listening to this episode and also after putting into practice what I teach you. It's not just listening is going to get you nowhere. You actually have to put it into practice. So what do you get? You actually start to trust yourself. You learn to have your back. You know really well where your limits are and what you can and cannot commit to, which is massive. There's no fucking around. There's no making empty promises. There's nothing worse than someone who has no idea where the limit of their commitments are. It's fucking annoying. And we all know those people and they're annoying because they're always committing to shit. They're always offering up themselves. They're always saying, oh, you know, you're going to come over. You're going to, and they never follow through. And they're probably lovely people, but they're fucking flakes and they do my head in, you know, when, when it's repeated. What else do you get? You get um, when other people see this in you, that you always honor promises to yourself. You end up building a reputation for yourself as someone who follows through. You're a disciplined person. And when someone's disciplined and when they always follow through with their word, especially to their word to themselves, people treat them accordingly. People just respect them more. That's just how it is. When someone says, oh, I'm going to do this, you know for a fucking fact they're going to do it. When have they ever said something and not followed through? It's impressive. It's respectful. And you don't fuck around with their time. You're not here to waste their time. And it's rare. It's a rare and attractive trait in someone who says, who does what they say they're going to do. Okay. People also respect you more because they know that you don't falter. So they try and meet you where you are at, you know? So if you always follow through on things, you hold up a mirror to everyone else. And then it's more noticeable when they don't follow through. And an example of this is if you've got two people that are dating, one person, if, if you're both flakes, you're kind of blissfully unaware cruising through life being fucking flakes, right? But if one person's like, everything I say I do, I do, and I don't even need to say it because I just show it with my actions, and the other person's a fucking flake, the flake is going to have the mirror held up to them very, very quickly in that relationship, and they're going to be like, fuck, I feel like I'm all talk. I'm constantly all talk, and I'm never following through with what I fucking set out to do. So... What else do you get? Your, your self-love will skyrocket. You start to actually impress yourself and therefore 
respect yourself more. You learn what it is like to put yourself as a priority and how good that feels for your mental health. Harder goals that you have set for yourself become more and more achievable. And these benchmarks that you set for yourself, you can start placing them higher and higher. So it's basically limitless. If you're somebody that's like, yeah, but I keep fucking setting the same goals every year, every New Year's or every birthday, I'm setting myself the same goal as I did. I'm not able to lift that benchmark higher. I can't bring those rungs higher because I haven't even achieved this fucking thing that I've been trying to do for the last 10 years. We're going to fix that today. You realize that in order to improve any aspect of your life or every aspect of your life, this is going to be one of the foundation blocks, okay? Because without it, without being able to commit to a promise to yourself, it's just a game of chance, really. Like, this may work out, this won't work out, but I don't know if I can even promise something to myself. I don't know if I can even follow through with that thing. And then, of course, your belief in yourself goes up, and therefore, so does your self-esteem. And then, of course, your confidence and then when you've got self-confidence, and it's like proper confidence, I'm not talking about bursting into a room and, oh, I'm the fucking star of the show. I'm talking about I'm comfortable in my own skin and I am who I am no matter who I'm talking to. I don't have to alter who I am. That's what I consider confidence to be. It's like a sense of knowing. So you become more confident. You become more comfortable in every area in your life and therefore you're able to achieve more. You're able to go out for the things that you want to you know, chase and all of that. What happens when you don't follow a commitment to yourself? Your self-love suffers, your trust within yourself goes down, your faith in your abilities goes down every time, so then you aim for lower and you aim for less and you aim for lower and you aim for less. You put yourself down the bottom of your list of priorities because you start thinking, well, I value keeping a promise to this person over keeping a promise to myself. And then you lean on others more than you can on yourself because you can't rely on yourself. So then you start relying on other people, which is all well and good when you have to, but you don't want to be relying on other people for shit that you can provide for yourself. That's when I don't agree with relying on other people. It's unnecessary. I think it's great to have an inner circle of people you can trust and that you can lean on. I think that's one of the foundations of like happiness, human connection, but don't do it unnecessarily because you're wasting your time and you're not going to get the results that you want to get. Okay. Now we're going to be breaking it up into a whole, well, we, I am going to break it down for you into a whole bunch of steps on how you're going to do this. Okay. So the first step is that, and I've mentioned this a thousand times in so many of my episodes, but I'm going to reiterate this again. When you make a promise to yourself, you want to start with the easiest promise you can, and you need to stop setting yourself up to fail. We set ourselves up to fail in our own eyes all the time. And then because we've set it up so poorly and we've not given ourselves a chance in hell to succeed, we're then like, oh, I'm really bad at doing this. Oh, I'm really bad at that. You look at your track record and you're like, oh, I'm fucking shit at, you know, sticking to this routine or I'm really shit at remembering X, Y, Z, or at inviting people over, or whatever it is. But the reason you shit at it is because you you literally set yourself up to fail with this thing, okay? So stop setting yourself up for an impossible task. I think it's good to, when you start proving things to yourself, to bring the benchmark higher and higher and start to challenge yourself more and more. Challenge, yes. Setting yourself up for an impossible task, no, Okay. The next thing is do not, and this is the most important one, and all of us do this, do not make a promise to yourself when it is easy to make that promise. What I mean by this is the weekend has come to an end. You've just drunk yourself, your weight in tequila. You've just raided the fridge. I'm just describing my weekend. No, I'm not. Well, 
in my past sometimes. Uh, it still happens. But you eat the entire fridge. You have all, like you're hungover. You feel average. So then you look at your weekend, uh, your week ahead of you and you're like, that's fucking it. I'm going to the gym every day. I'm going to wake up at 5.30 every morning. I'm not going to have a, a drop of sugar. I'm going to get all these people on board as my accountability buddies. We're going to set up a fucking group on WhatsApp and it's going to be fucking intense. We're going to... Ah, and so you... St- it's crazy. And this is the easiest time to set a promise to yourself because right now the thought of drinking alcohol makes you sick. The thought of eating anything else makes you sick. The thought of sleeping in and being, you know, a bit of a sloth and whatever and doing, you're like, oh, you know, no, 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 I need to, I'm, I'm so annoyed at myself. I need to change everything. So this is the easiest time to make a promise. My mum and my auntie are the best at making these promises, right? They all, they love cake. They fucking love cake, right? And every time they commit to doing a month with no sugar or a week with no sugar, they make that promise after indulging in like multiple slices of cake. And I'm like, don't make the promise when it's easy. Make the promise when the temptation is there and you are still able to turn that temptation away. So before you eat the cake, are you willing to say, I'm going to do a month without sugar? No, you're not because the fucking cake's right in front of you. So why don't you edit that goal a little bit? Because you understand what temptation feels like in the moment of making the promise. And that's when you're able to make more realistic goals for yourself. Okay. Yeah. So basically you've just got to remember that all these really difficult times pass and you've set this crazy goal for yourself in the future. You're then going to wake up and be like, oh my God, I can't do that. And then what are you going to think? You're going to think, I'm a fucking failure. Like, what shit are you setting yourself up for? Like, what kind of madness are you agreeing to in this state where you're annoyed at yourself and you're ready to make all these changes? You're going to go and name all the things that you never have proven that you can stick to. You're going to do them all in one go. And you're like, oh, but I can really do it this time because I'm actually in the zone this time. But you're not in the zone. And then everything falls apart. And then you're back to this whole thing of like, oh, I'm a failure. I'm really shit at sticking to my goals. And this is really, really detrimental. It it can be fixed, but it's very detrimental because basically you're only making the promise when it's easy. You're creating a pattern of failing time and time again, repeatedly without changing your means of getting that goal. You're not keeping your word and your word weighs less and less. So every time you say, oh, I promise I'm going to do something, not only to you, But other people are going to look at you being like, yeah, fucking right, okay, whatever. Like, I don't care. I don't care. You you literally are always making this promise. Congratulations. I don't believe you and I also don't care. And like, I've got people in my life, in my close inner circle who I adore, but they are people like that. And I'm kind of like, just shut up. Stop telling me about this fucking promise of yours because you're never going to follow through. And I'm so sick of hearing about how it didn't work out for you, but how next time is going to be different when you're not changing how you're going about it. You also struggle to take yourself seriously. Because you're like, oh, kind of deep down, I've never really proven that I can do this. And then you become less likely to believe in yourself the following time around. So deep down, you've got this like this doubt, you know, when you're making these promises, you're like, "Mm, am I really going to be able to follow through with this? The next thing you're going to do. So that's number one, two. Next thing is look at your track record. Okay. So your track record is the best predictor of future behavior. So it's not to say that you can't change as you move forward, but until you prove something to yourself, you need to kind of strip it back. You need to strip it back. So for example, like I said with the first point, start fucking basic and then 
Only when you've achieved that basic thing can you set the bar higher. A lot of people will fail at something basic and think, no, nah, I need to go even more extreme. I need to go even more out. So I'm going to set the bar even higher. But that's, I don't think that's how you should do it. Because then when you fail, you start creating this pattern of failing on yourself. And I don't think that's great. It's not how it works. So if you've made a promise when things are easy and then by the time Friday rolls around, you failed, what does that mean? It basically means that you need to restructure how you're, how you're setting your goals and you need to restructure how much you're putting on your plate to do it. If every Friday you've not even reached the seven days of achieving that goal and you're already falling apart, something's wrong, okay? And it's not because you're a failure. It's because you've not set it up properly. So you've got to look at, okay, in my past, I've never been able to go past seven days. So what's my new goal going to be? I need to make the task itself smaller. Instead of having five things to change, I'm going to just change one. And that way I can still have enjoyed the other things. And then once I've proven this thing for three weeks or, or whatever, a month, then I'm going to include the second one in, okay? The next thing, number four, is I want you to understand the importance of it. And this is where it comes down to consequences versus no consequence. So why is it okay to break a promise to yourself, but it's not okay to break a promise to other people? Like genuinely, why is that? Because most of us, to the people that we care about, hate the thought of breaking a promise to someone we love, unless you're a sociopath. But in general, we don't like it. It makes us feel really, really upset. It makes us feel like we've let that person down. It makes us feel like that person's less likely to trust us or to, to believe in our word again. We hate it, okay? And there's consequences to that. And you might have your reasons as to why you don't like you know, breaking a promise to someone, it could be because you don't want to lose friendships, you don't want to lose relationships. But the main reason is because people hold you responsible for your lack of following through. And those are the consequences. There's a direct repercussion. But when you break a promise to yourself, there's no immediate repercussion. And no one other than yourself, and in this case, you don't even do it, no one's holding you responsible. So when that's why we don't like breaking promises with other people because there are consequences. And those consequences might be your own guilt or they might be that it's damaged the relationship with that person. But there are measurable consequences. So with you, you're like, oh, there's no consequences. I can fucking do it. But there are consequences. They're just not noticeable in the short term. So we feel like, oh, it's fine if I don't fucking do this promise. Who's holding me accountable? Who am I letting down? Oh, just me, but it's fine. I'm fine. I don't care. But what happens, it's more of a long-term problem for yourself because you, right now you're like, oh, no love lost, it's all good. But it's a lot worse than that because the re repercussions of not keeping a promise to yourself are very, very significant in the long term because it's the difference between living in regret and living in resentment to yourself or not. Those are, those are the, the consequences. Because for someone who's like, I don't have to make a promise to myself because I don't need to really commit to myself because there's no consequences if I don't fo follow through or if I don't hit this deadline that only I set to myself. The consequences are that in the future, you're going to be like, I regret not doing that thing. I regret not putting the time and effort into this. I really resent that I never tried with this thing or that I never really gave it my all. There was all this potential sitting there and it was completely unmaximized because I never followed through with one fucking promise that I made to myself. So this just goes on more and more and more. And then as you get older, you start living with more and more regret. And no one wants to live with regret. You're better off trying things, 
giving it a red hot go. And if it doesn't work, at least it's done. It's out of your mind. You know, if you're considering starting and playing an instrument or a career change or whatever, do it. Because if it, even if it doesn't work out for you, you've eliminated it from your mind. But I can guarantee you, you'll still feel happy long-term when you're on your deathbed because you won't regret never having tried something. You're not going to sit with that regret. You'll be like, I gave it my all. I gave it a red hot go. Who cares if it didn't work out? I've got nothing to regret. Okay? So that is the consequence of you not following through with a promise to yourself. We find it really, really hard to put ourselves in the shoes of our far, far, far future self. A lot of people, like we just don't get really fussed when we think about ourselves being old because it feels really, really far away. It feels really unrealistic, like it'll never happen or that's not relevant or that's not going to happen to me, especially the younger you are. Like teenagers can't imagine what it's like being old. As you start getting older, you start to think, oh yeah, like I can imagine it, but whatever. It starts getting slightly more realistic as you get closer to old age. But we really struggle to to really for it to make an impact. So instead, I want you to just look at shorter term things. Like what are things that you would love to do now that you're, at least that you pretend that you're serious about and think about it in five years time. If nothing changes, would you be annoyed? Like look at your life situation and the things you want to change and the things you want to implement. What if I told you that in five years time, absolutely nothing is going to change for you. You're going to be exactly where you are right now. Some people would be happy with that because they love where they're at and some people would be really disappointed. And they would be like, well, that's actually fucked because in five years I won't have all these things ticked off. And if I don't have those things ticked off, I'd be annoyed. Well, that's kind of the same analogy for in 10, 20, 30 and 40 years time. So apply the time frame that's realistic that you can really put yourself in your future self's shoes to make it stick and to make it meaningful to you. Now, number five, Every time you set out to do a new promise to yourself, and this is only for the promises where you've got a track record of failing in, like I'm not going to have sugar for a week or whatever it is. Every time you set it out, I want you to look at it and say, I'm going to make it smaller. I'm going to make it easier to achieve. I'm going to make it more bite-sized, more digestible, whatever. And the reason I do this is because you will get to a point where you're like, this is so fucking easy for me to achieve. It would actually be ridiculous if I didn't do this thing. It would be so stupid for me to not follow through because it's so simple. That's where I want it to be. I want it to be like, this is a non-negotiable. I'll be really annoyed if I can't follow through with this because it's a joke. Okay. And then you'll want, even when it's easy, you will want to make it harder for yourself because you're like, I want more of a challenge. And that's the sweet spot. When you're in a position where you crave more of a challenge, stay there. Prove to yourself that you can do that thing for five days, for seven days, then increase the challenge. Only when you have proven yourself are you allowed to increase that challenge because you want to make sure that it's something that you can't break. And then that promise, your word will be fucking sacred to you, right? So you're already going to be able to know if something is unrealistic or if something is realistic because you'll be doing such small promises to start with that you're like, fuck, that was a lot easier than I thought because I just like broke it down. And then you do it for seven days and you're like, okay, now that is manageable. Now I can add on. Now I can add on. You start manageable and then before you know it, in a year's time or in two years time, you're doing shit that you would have never imagined possible because you kept setting these really high benchmarks for yourself, but then it was really hard for you to follow through on a consistent basis. There's one more. Number six, I want you to... Stop talking shit to yourself and to other people. And that is one of the biggest things that you need to stop doing when you're making a promise to yourself. You need to stop fucking talking shit and know yourself. So eventually you're going to get to a place where you know yourself so well that 
you know, you'll be able to know if you're going to stick to a promise or if you're not going to stick to a promise, okay? You're going to know what you're able to commit to and what you can't commit to. But one thing that I hate is that, well, I wouldn't say hate, but I find very annoying is when people are all talk. There's a lot of people that are like, talk, 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 like I mentioned at the start of the episode. So for you, I want you to think less is more. When you're going to make a promise to yourself, limit the amount of people that you tell and limit the amount of time you spend talking about it. Because there have been studies, and I feel like I need to do an entire brain fact on this, but there have been studies that show that people who talk about the goals that they want to set out to do and people who tell everyone that they say about the goals that they've set out to do actually are less likely to follow through with those goals because they've already felt a sense of achievement just by talking about it. And you don't want to feel that sense of achievement yet. You haven't achieved fucking shit with this goal. You've achieved a lot in your life, but in this goal, you haven't. So you don't want to already start feeling, you know, people are like, oh my God, that's amazing. You're doing this thing. That's so good. That's so good. And you start feeling all these, the congratulations, all the accolades. And then you're like, wait a minute. Now I have to fucking do the work and I really don't want to do the work. I've just received everyone saying, oh my God, you're so amazing. You're so fucking good for even doing that. I'm not, I haven't even done it, but yet everyone's applauding me and then you'll start applauding yourself. So you need to stop talking and show people and same with yourself. Stop talking about it and show yourself. And I do that to like when I really want something for myself personally as Alexis, I personally will bite my tongue. The more I want something, the less people I tell. If something's like, oh yeah, it'd be cool to have it, but it's not that important. I don't care. I'll tell people. But when something is really true to my heart, I'd limit the people that I tell. Not because I don't think I'm able to achieve it, but because for me, I want to share this so badly with the people around me. And I say to myself, the only way you're able to share it is if you can show it through your work. If you can't show it, why fucking talk about it? You can only share it when you can show it, okay? So that's, for me, something that really is a driving force for me to be able to share things with people and it makes me work a lot harder and a lot more consistently at these things. And it makes me take it more seriously because there are things that are like pipe dreams that I'll talk about all the time, but I don't even care that much for them and I don't take them that seriously and then they never, you know, come into fruition. So now to wrap up the episode before I go into the listener question, I've just got some questions that I want you to ask yourself. And these questions are going to help you structure your promises to yourself a lot better. So when you ask yourself these, every time you've got a question to ask or promised to make to yourself, go through this list of questions and then you're going to feel a lot more confident in moving forward with that promise. Or maybe you think you've got to restructure how you set up that commitment or that promise to yourself. So the first one is, am I making this promise when it's too easy? In other words, am I making this promise to myself when there are no temptations, as in I'm hungover, I'm full, I've spent a lot of money and I've just looked at my bank account and I've gotten a reality check. So is this promise when it's really easy to make the promise because the chance of me breaking the promise right now is very low, okay? If that's the case, then wait till tomorrow to make that promise. Number two, is this promise or commitment realistic based on my track record? And if it's not, I need to make it smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller till it's bite-sized and the chances of me achieving this are pretty high. Number three, what are my normal go-to excuses? And I want you to come up with these excuses before you embark on this promise or this commitment to yourself and write your normal excuses down. And it's really good to have your excuses written down because then when in a couple of days' time you're about to make the excuse, you're like, oh, I'm fucking full of shit. I literally predicted I was going to say this. 
you know? So before you start backing out, you have this moment where you're like, I can't be relying on, you know, waves of motivation to get me there. I've got to look at the difficult moments and those are the moments where I'm making the excuses and I'm thinking, this is an excuse that I predicted. So is it, how real is this excuse? If it's my go-to that I always slip into this pattern, probably not that real. Okay. The actual excuses should be the ones that don't crop up often, that are a bit of an anomaly, that have kind of cock blocked you achieving that goal because something cropped up that was literally out of your control. That's fair. That shit happens. And that's why you need to, you know, cater for those things. But in general, if you're like, oh, I always, you know, make this one excuse, I always like make the excuse that I can't not go to this event because it's, you know, for work or I can't whatever or whatever, whatever excuse it is that you make for yourself that always causes you to break your promises, write them down. Number four, is this tangible? Is this measurable? How do I measure me succeeding at this promise? And how do I measure me failing at this promise? What are the markers? Get clear on those markers, okay? So don't say, I want to be more fit. What the fuck does that mean? I don't say, I want to save more money. Just be very clear. And how do you measure each milestone that you've achieved? And when you can measure the milestones, then you feel a lot better about it and you start feeling like you're actually working towards something and you're achieving something. When you feel like you're earning something, the chances of you sticking something out get higher and higher and higher. Number five, remind yourself of the deeper reason as to why you are doing this and what it means to you. And also ask yourself what this will mean to your future self if you do this versus if you don't do this. Okay. And then just kind of sit with the answer and think about it for a little bit. And then lastly, am I talking about it more than I'm actioning it? It's the whole show me, don't tell me, I want to see it, I don't want to hear about it, with yourself and with other people. All right, so that is the episode topic of today. Hopefully you can implement at least one of those things into your, you know, your future commitment to yourself and your promise to yourself. But also realize that it's it's so important to do this for yourself because if you're someone that is wanting to improve your relationships, if you're someone that's wanting to improve your confidence, if you're someone that's always entering relationships that feel a little bit toxic or codependent, this is one of the things that will help you transform that. And the reason for that is because when you become a person of your word, in most importantly, to yourself – you become the person that you can fall back on and you become the person that you can rely on. And when you can rely on yourself, you're not leaning on other people to feel validated anymore because when you can promise something to yourself and see it through, you trust yourself. You can validate yourself. You're like, here's all the proof that I can validate myself. I've done all this shit. I've fucking done it. I can have my back. When the chips are down, I'm the one that pulls myself back up. I feel validated. And then because of that, then you can get picky with who you have in your life. If you can never have your back, if you can never validate yourself, if you are not ever supporting yourself as far as from a self-esteem perspective, then you're going to seek it where you can get it. And beggars can't be choosers. And that's why people end up in these really unhappy relationships, whether it's with friends, with family, with romantic partners, this ends up happening. And it's all on an unaware level. You're not doing it consciously. It just happens and you kind of fall into these things. So you're going to notice a massive shift, not only with your relationship with yourself, but also your relationship with other people. All right. We're going to finish off with a uh, listener question and then that will be it. Good times. Hi, Alexis. Thank you for being such an inspiration to many. I've been listening to your podcast for a long time now. And because of you and your podcast, it inspired me to study neuroscience at university. And I've been loving it. Fucking love that for you. Thank you for igniting a change in my life. Something that I will forever be thankful for. 
I do have a question and I was hoping I could get your advice on it. I've been dating this guy for about two years now. We've been on and off several times, mainly due to him cheating on me, texting other guys, lying and poor communication skills. Every time that I would break it off, we would somehow manage to get back together. He said he's changed and I do notice some changes in his actions and treatment of our relationship for the better, but now I just cannot seem to trust him anymore. There are nights where I wouldn't sleep as I think that he would be messaging and or meeting up with others. And every time when he would say something, I would think, is he lying to me? I honestly feel like he's treated me and the relationship in the past or how he's treated me and the relationship in the past as in cheating, gaslighting and lying has driven me insane. I'm still with him, but honestly, I do not feel secure anymore, nor think that I could ever trust him again. But somehow I can't seem to leave him. Any advice? I don't even remember when the last time was that I was genuinely happy and felt secure anymore. I just feel anxious and worried every day, but pretend like I'm fine when I'm with him. I feel like my entire body and being wants to jump and leave, but something in me feels like I just cannot leave him as I love him. I'm starting to think I'm starting to think if I like the feeling that I feel towards him, anxious or stressed, and if I'm so used to it, but thinking about it, I hate the feeling of it. And as you can tell, I'm very confused. I don't know what to do. And I don't know what I'm feeling. I hope you could offer some advice. Thank you. Okay. So the my first thing here is that this is primarily an issue to do with your relationship with yourself and possibly how you maybe like your attachment style with people, but even not even going into attachment styles. This has got to do with your relationship with yourself and where you talk about, you know, I'm starting to think I like the feeling you know, of anxious and stressed. I don't think anyone likes the feelings of anxious and stressed. However, in relationships, when there's a lot of stress and anxiety, it causes this roller coaster of emotions within a relationship. And these lows of anxiety and stress at some point are relieved at some point. Like he's going to have all these behaviors that make you feel anxious and stressed, but then he's going to do something that's going to make you feel pacified in that moment. And that moment where you're like, oh no, he does love me or no, maybe he is trustworthy. Maybe, maybe those moments are what you cling to and they feel so fucking good in comparison to the lows. The lows are low and the highs aren't even that high, but they feel very high. And I've been in a situation where it's been a very, very, very toxic cheating relationship. And I remember always saying that fucking, oh, the lows are low, but the highs are really high, so it's worth staying. And then after, when you get out of the relationship, I, I reflect back on the highs. I'm like, that was average at best. That wasn't even that high. It was average. But in comparison, it feels really high. So you're circling back with this, like, this pooling of like going from – bad to good to bad to good. Also, a lot of your relationship with yourself, if you've been cheated on, lied to, someone's gaslit you, you're going to be feeling likely very unsure of who you are. And when you are very unsure of who you are, one of the most terrifying things is to be single. A lot of people in a relationship, their biggest fear is being alone, not being abused, but being alone. And that comes down to this fear of the unknown and this fear that they can't be their own support network and they can't be there for themselves. And I think that they think that once the relationship is over, they will not know how to cope. And sometimes, initially, 
When a relationship does break down, you don't know how to cope in the beginning, but you'll be surprised at how quickly you start coming up with some coping mechanisms. Now, I don't know if this is the the be-all, end-all, but in my opinion, this sounds like a very, 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 very unhealthy dynamic and one in which you are absolutely not happy in. And I think the reason you are staying is because there's a lot of work that needs to be done with with rebuilding your relationship with yourself. And when you're with someone who doesn't respect you, without meaning to, you start respecting yourself less and less and less because it's really difficult, almost impossible or impossible to be with all this level of respect and let someone treat you like shit. It doesn't align. So you end up thinking, well, okay, I'll put up with it. Okay. well, And, and you're not saying I'm not worth anything, but on a very subconscious level, that's what's going down. So then you put up with it and then you're like, well, I've put up with it in, in, the, in the past. Is it going to happen again? I've put up with this shit in the past. I've let them treat me like this. And then the dynamic's fucked and you're still there. And then you're like, now I can't leave because I don't have the tools and I don't have the strength to leave. So I feel like this is just not a great situation that you're in. And I also feel like if you do want to try and fix this, then I would offer some you know, firstly, you've got to ask yourself, do I feel comfortable talking to him about his actions in the past that have hurt me? Because a lot of couples that are willing to make the change and willing to move on from where they were, the, the person who did the hurtful actions should be okay to sit down and talk about it if it still affects you. You should feel comfortable saying, look, I know I don't want to bring up things from the past, but I'm not healed from this yet and I would like to talk to you about it. How would he respond to that? If he responds negatively, that's a fucking red flag. Not that all these other things things aren't already red flags, but if you're trying to mend it, that's a red flag. And then another thing is, would he be open to speaking about it? Is he open to actively taking steps, not just passively being like, I've changed, no, actively taking steps to mend the relationship? If the answer is no to all of these things, then my honest opinion is that this is going nowhere and you're probably just going to feel worse and worse and worse. And you're going against your own instinct, which is you want to be happy and you're not happy. And you're not going to find your happiness here. You have to create your happiness. And you've got to ask yourself, can I make myself happy in this environment or not? So you've got to ask yourself those difficult questions and you're going to get closer and closer to an answer. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you everyone for tuning in. And just a big shout out to all the new beans that have started listening. I've been getting so many emails from people sending through their listener question being like, I just started listening. And then I've got people who are like, I've been listening for over three years, which is amazing. So we've got a whole big array of beans, global beans around the world. Shout out to my beans in Japan. There's a handful of you guys. Love you so much. Love you all so much. That is all. As always, please remember, be kind to yourself, be kind to your brain. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Don't care.